Welcome to the SYA podcast, giving you teachings from the young adult ministry of Shepherd Church, where it is our mission to lift up Christ that the world might believe. We meet every Thursday at Shepherd Church in Porter Ranch. For more info, go to wearesya.com. very common story that we tell ourselves is that the experiences in our lives that change us, that those experiences happen by fate, like it's this cosmic wheel of change that crashes into us. So we end up crossing our fingers and wishing and waiting for the big moments in life to happen to us. But what if every simple moment was actually sacred space, inviting you to experience it and in some ways help shape whatever happens next in your life. There are two moments that stick out in my earliest months of faith, of being a Christian. They were at the end of my 12th grade year, my senior year in high school. And these moments would be easy to interpret as happening to me, but there was a turning aside and paying attention. So I'll tell you about one of them now and the other one at the end, and I hope it just provides a little bit of anecdotal inspiration. The first 1994, we had won our second straight football state championship. And in a small Missouri town where football was religion, like where I grew up, we were only 17 or 18 years old, but we were treated like gods. And we'd get asked to come to elementary schools and talk to the kids like celebrities. And at the end of spring, we went to a preschool that also served as like an after-school drop-off for elementary school kids. And I drove all of us, all of my uh, friends from the high school in my dad's minivan. And the kids gathered around and like always, everybody oohed and awed around Matt because he was the quarterback. All the kids said, I'm gonna be quarterback when I grow up. Like even the kids that you knew with just one glance, they were destined for the offensive line. They were all gonna be quarterbacks. And kids crowded around Grant. He ended up like playing in the NFL. Grant was a giant to like normal people. So like, you know, let alone these little guys. And I had started, you know, on the team. I played, but I was a no name. Um, I wasn't physically impressive. So, you know, I stood alone watching and just smiling at all of this and just taking it in. I had come to Christ just a few months before. And honestly, everything seemed to be slowly moving from like black and white to full color in life. And as I stood alone, I felt this little hand in mine. And I looked down to a four-year-old boy with sandy blonde hair that had kind of like a mullet. And he had green Lee jeans on. He had cowboy boots with one pant leg tucked in and one out. He had a purple Barney t-shirt on. And he said confidently to me, hi, I'm Joey, come play with me. I looked over at the guys, they're all talking about football with the older kids. So I turned and with his hand guiding me, we went and we played. And after about 15 minutes, the teachers asked if we could go outside, play some flag football with the older kids. And they told me that Joey was too young, that he needed to stay inside right now. Um, But I told Joey that I would be back, right? After we played football. And after the game, the teachers then told us, thank you and that we could leave. And the guys were telling me, come on, let's go, because they wanted to go to McDonald's because, you know, it had been like two hours since they'd eaten. So I I looked around for Joey to say bye, but I couldn't find him. So I gave Matt the keys. Um, I told him to go ahead and start the van, take all the guys um, out, and I'd be there soon. And then when I turned, I saw Joey running to me. And so I squatted down just to be able to be eye level with him. But he kept running, and he ran into me and hugged me. And then he asked, 
When I become a, get, a big kid and I get to go outside and play football with the big kids, will you come back and be on my team? I melted on the inside and I said, of course, and then he kissed my cheek and he turned saying, bye, as he ran back to his little world. I went outside, I climbed into the van with tears like right on the edge and Matt looked at me and said, Frizzell, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I just have something in my eye. But the truth is I had caught a glimpse of grace. Moments happen to us, but there still has to be a turning aside. There has to be an awareness and an embrace. So what if every simple moment was actually sacred space inviting you to experience it and in some ways help create what happens next? The late Dallas Willard, who was the professor of philosophy for, at USC for years, he was also a modern prophet, in my opinion. He said this to a friend, and I quote. He said, John, you are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. That's the most important thing for you to know about you. You should repeat that regularly, he said. He said, you think you have to be someplace or accomplish something more to find peace but it's right here. And then he said this, God has yet to bless anyone except where they actually are. I'm gonna say that again. God has yet to bless anyone except for where they actually are. I wanna show you a well-known and profound story in the Old Testament. And as always, I'll try to leave a few breadcrumbs for you to feed into your own faith journey. Okay, Old Testament, Jacob, who became Israel because the scene is in the struggling. Jacob had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel, the nation that God promised through Abraham. And then the book of Genesis, in the, the first book of the Bible, it ends with the story of Jacob and then his son, Joseph. And after that, Israel, the nation of Israel, they become slaves to Egypt for 400 years until Moses rises up to deliver them. And this is the story of the book of Exodus, the historical context in which Moses writes the first five books of the Old Testament known as the Torah. In a divine twist, here's the story, uh, or at least the footnotes, in a divine twist, the Jewish Moses is raised in Pharaoh's household as a prince of Egypt. He ends up killing a soldier who is beating a Hebrew slave. He flees to the desert for 40 years. He marries the daughter of the desert priest of Midian, and Moses becomes a shepherd for 40 years. And then Exodus chapter 3. Moses has his sheep on the far side of the desert, and he notices something. Exodus chapter 3, verses 2 through 3, it says this. There the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So he thought to himself, I'll turn aside. It literally means to depart from the path. I'll turn aside and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. Ancient rabbis noted that the term for flames of fire, it sounds like and is spelled close to the Hebrew word for 
blossom. And so they took this as a hint that the bush was in fact blossoming despite being kindled in flames. Now, fire often represents God's presence in the Old Testament. My favorite is in Daniel chapter 3. God is in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who had refused to bow to idolatry. So God is, like the angel of the Lord, is the fourth person in the fiery furnace, and because he's there, they don't die. But when they're told to come out, only the three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, but the fourth, God, the angel of the Lord, doesn't come out. So, was God already in the fire waiting? And is, is God in the fires of your life waiting to meet you there if you're willing? This is some of the play of fire and the presence of God in the Old Testament. And this is especially true in the book of Exodus. And there are all kinds of interpretations here at the burning bush. The bush doesn't burn up like how Israel is enslaved but will not be destroyed. Or, bushes don't normally remain unscorched by fire, but neither do rivers turn to blood. Or, um, frogs and insects, they don't normally invade a nation. And seas don't normally split and form water walls. And so much more that is coming in the, in the Exodus story. It's like foreshadow. And also, God leads Israel out of Egypt into the desert, and he leads them at night by a pillar of fire. And it was said of God that he is a consuming fire. So that God is like both in the fires of struggle, standing with us, and he's, he is the strange fire that consumes whatever we're brave enough to confess and hand over to his care. Those are just a few interpretations. And like this, in a world inflamed with the lust for politics and culture as religion, we think that what we want is pleasure or certainty or utopia or answers or escape or for like tribal correctness. But what the soul really desires is to know that God is there with us, calling to us. Okay, thorn bushes on fire, that wasn't rare. But the strangeness of like what was not happening to the bush, like it wasn't burning away, it caught Moses' attention. And he turned aside and he drew near to God and it changed everything in his life. As James 4 verse 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Exodus chapter 3 verse 4, it says, when the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to look. Let me read that again and not Hold your hand here, but let me just like emphasize it. Emphasize it. When the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to look, then God called to him from within the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. And Moses replied, here I am, Lord. And in verses five through six, God says, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. God says, I am the God of your forefathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, the God of Jacob you know, the deceiver who became Israel because he discovered that the scene is in the struggling. And then it says that this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. God then calls Moses to free his people and he sets into motion the central story of the Hebrew Bible and it is epic. But I want to stay here near the bush. Ancient people, they took off their shoes before entering homes or 
in the presence of royalty to lower themselves and acknowledge this person's power. And this also happened. This kind of moment happened. The sandals sacred moment happened to Moses's predecessor, a man named Joshua. This happened some 50 years later. It's found in Joshua chapter 5. The night before Joshua led Israel into battle, the battle of Jericho. He's walking alone the night before, and he comes across a warrior with a sword drawn. And Joshua asks, as we still do, Joshua asks, are you on our side or are you, are you on the side of our enemies? And the warrior says, neither. But as commander of God's army, I'm here. It's the angel of the Lord. And then the angel says, take off your sandals for the place where you stand is holy. Side note, God's not on your side either, politically or otherwise, but you get to take off your sandals and recognize the royalty and the way of Jesus. And if you're courageous enough, you are invited to live in that way, choosing kingdom over empire. But the rabbis asked, the ancient rabbis, what if the bush was always burning, but Moses just then saw it? In other words, what if there are all kinds of things God does subtly to get our attention, but when we turn aside, he speaks or he like allows his creation or the experience to call to us? We often see big experiences as fate, something that just happens to us, like a meteor collision course that was just meant to be. These are stories we tell ourselves. But what if the whole thing is set up to be a sacred bush on fire? What if we are the meteor and we crash into life change, not by chance, but when we live with eyes wide open to sacred ground everywhere? What if God's good world is a beautiful, broken, mysterious bush on fire all the time, but we are walking with our heads down, preoccupied as we text or as we scurry here or there? Poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning wrote that earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush a fire with God, but only he or she who sees takes off their shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. But after Moses removes his sandals, the bush is not mentioned again in the story because the bush wasn't especially holy. The one who spoke from it was and is. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near you. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is within you. Paul said that God is present in every square inch of his creation and that we live and move and exist in him. So what portion then of any area is simple space? None is the answer. It's all sacred. But how it all works is a mystery, something to do with prayer and joy and struggle, but also something to do with attention and perspective and choice. Because the question, is it sacred or is it simple, depends on how you choose to see it. There's this ancient story from the Midrash, which is just this like ancient rabbi commentary on the Old Testament. And this is a parable about Reuben and Shimon. They're walking across the Red Sea in the Exodus story as God parted, you know, the Red Sea. And God has done the plagues and the miracles. And Moses now leads a million Jews into the desert out of Egypt. Pharaoh is chasing them. God parts the Red Sea and the people cross to safety. But the parable says that Reuben and Shimon 
looked down the whole way as they crossed the Red Sea, grumbling, complaining about the wet mud between their toes. And because they never once looked up, the parable says they missed the miracle and they never understood why on the distant shore, everyone else was singing and shouting and dancing. And some of us are like Reuben and Shimon. We're so distracted by an obsessive attention to the negative that we miss all the joy, we miss all the beauty, we miss all the good. And some of us are so fixated on dotting the I's and crossing the T's of religion that we miss it too. Jesus speaks to you, if that's you. In John chapter 5, verse 39 through 40, he says, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life, or you work really hard religiously because you think in those works you have eternal life. But he says, These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. We move from simple to sacred in any moment by learning to pay attention and by symbolically or literally taking your shoes off to acknowledge that God is already there. Five years ago, I had a herniated disc in my neck, which is massively painful. And my boys were being silly, wrestling, showing off for me and Amy. And I'd been practicing meditation to help with the pain and to help me sleep. And I'd I'd also been just simply practicing God's clear commands that scripture says are his will. Specifically, obedience to Christ, uh, choosing joy and gratitude in all circumstances. And as I laid on the couch one day in a lot of pain, I was almost overwhelmed with gratitude. And so I said out loud to my family, I was like, I said, I hate this injury. I feel weak. I hate that I'm not able to play and do things with you all, but I am so blessed to have you three. I'm lying here on a comfortable couch inside my own home in the middle of summer and we have air condition and I get to watch you play and you love me so much. I am so blessed. I would have taken off my shoes, but they were already off. But this was indeed sacred ground. There are all kinds of different things to, that speak to each of us more naturally. Music and stories, poetry, movies, uh, deep conversations, laughter, long walks outside, just different things for different people that speak more so to us. But we can also learn to turn aside and to practice becoming aware that each simple moment is actually sacred because God fills this space too and every space because the kingdom is near. It is among us. It is within us. I told you I'd tell you another story at the end of one of my earliest uh, moments of faith at the end of my, my senior year, a, a moment that would be easy to interpret as simply happening to me, but there was a turning aside. So my, my becoming a Christian was weird for many of my friends my senior year. Some of them actually thought it was a prank, like that I was trying to pull on everybody. We had a fellowship of Christian athletes, and at the end of the year, FCA had an all-nighter, and a lot of kids came, a lot of them that weren't even Christians. And early the next morning, when it ended, they ended with an open mic session, right? One of the football players, one of the, a guy a year younger than me, got up uh, and, and, and talked first. I had baptized him uh, just a few weeks before, and he talked about my influence in his life. And then someone else got up and said some things about me. And then someone else got up, and someone else. 
and I began to feel claustrophobic. Now, I understand this about myself. I don't like responsibility or expectations that others have on me if I don't think I understand it and if I'm not able to agree, right? But I didn't understand all of that then. And I, then. And I deeply feared the idea of other people looking to me as an example, right? And when it ended, uh, some of the, the students like found me and they said some other nice things and some of, some of them asked if I could meet with them soon and offer some advice. And there was an underclassman that asked me if I would baptize them and I almost screamed for everyone to stop talking. But I, you know, I said something generic but polite and I almost literally ran to my car and I drove away but I wasn't ready to go home because I, I couldn't talk. I needed to work some of this, these feelings out. And my hometown has a giant statue of praying hands. And I drove there and I parked and I was alone and I croaked out some words in my prayers about how I didn't know what to do with people looking to me, asking me for help and for guidance. And it made me afraid. Like just months before, I, I was literally the example that a parent or teacher would have used to tell other kids, don't be like that. But I eventually asked God to use me however he wanted, and that I would try to get there. I would try to pay attention and to be okay and to not run away. It would still be another four months before I would decide to go into vocational ministry and become a pastor. But that moment at the praying hands, it was a seed moment. That morning at FCA, like it happened. That was a moment that happened. But I turned aside before going home that morning. And without knowing it, I helped shape all that would come for my future. Listen, life is scary. And like so much of it does just happen to us. But these ancient stories are still true. God is there in the fire calling out. So, so turn aside and maybe take your shoes off occasionally to practice an awareness that the whole thing is a divine bush on fire. It's all sacred. Thanks for listening to the SYA podcast. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at wearesya.